All right, everybody. How you doing out there? Welcome back to another episode of Sales is King. And we've got a special video episode today with a extra special guest, someone that I love and someone that's been very helpful to me. I'll tell you a great story. Um, I started this podcast uh, probably four or five months ago, uh, just out there, just talking about sales because I felt like, um, you know, salespeople needed a place to go online and on podcast to kind of, you know, talk about the changes that are going on out there, how to navigate this whole kind of digital transformation and how to sell more with value, how to talk about challenges, um, how to find problems and not just go in and just spit out PowerPoints and all that kind of good stuff. So I reached out to our guest today, Keenan, who to me is one of the foremost experts in leading this type of transformation. And I just have to tell you, um, you know, we had connected earlier on LinkedIn and Twitter, so we did have a relationship. And that's really a good example, guys, of a little bit of social networking. You know, I reached out to him. I think I sent him a, a, a tweet or a direct message or something, and we developed a relationship. And he has been exceptionally helpful to me because what happened was um, some organizations reached out to me and said, hey, Dan, we want you to come in and, and, and help us. And I was like, wow, that's great. But I had, you know, never really done it as a formal discipline before. And I reached out to Keenan and he was absolutely helpful. He talked me through kind of how he does it because he's been out there for a long time doing it with big organizations. So Keenan, I just want to thank you for your generosity and your help and your direction. Um, and, you know, you kind of launched a new business for me, which is really, uh, really tremendous. So thank you and happy holidays. My, my pleasure, man. My pleasure. Look, pay it forward. Uh, when I first started, there were some people that helped me when I had questions or concerns, like, what do I do? And I called them and I'll give that shout out with them was David Brock. I mean, David Brock was there for me really, really early on. So look, man, only assholes don't re, you know, don't pay it forward and give back. So, you know, as long as someone's respectful and, and serious and committed, which it was clear you were, it was my pleasure to help out. So I'm glad you got something from it. I really appreciate it. Um, so we got a lot to talk about. Um, you know, the great and exciting thing about what we're doing now is that it's just, it's a really exciting time to be in sales, in my opinion. Um, things are changing. And if you could get out on the forefront of the change and kind of, you know, figure out how to sell with value and, and how to really connect with people, I think you're going to be super, super successful. So I want to take a step back. I got this book right here, and I just want to tell everybody about it. This is Keenan's book which you must read. It's called Not Taught. And it's not only just about sales, but it's about really how to be a businessman, you know, how to conduct yourself uh, as a modern day person. You know, because, you know, <laughs> yes. I'm looking for a copy of my own. I can't even yeah. a copy of my own book. But I think the subtitle says it best, right? Yeah, so tell so us what about it, this a little bit. Yeah, like what it takes to be successful in the 21st century that nobody's teaching you. Look, the rules of success have changed. And I, look, maybe I shouldn't have used the word. I don't think I did use the rules, but it, it, take the word rules out of it. The 21st century and specifically the information age has given us amazing opportunities to accelerate our career, to, to have more, to follow our passions, to do stuff, to run our own consulting businesses. I mean, it's, it, it has completely opened up the world, yet so few people are being taught how to do it. 
and colleges and universities and our parents are still teaching us the same old bullshit. More people go, oh, can you help me rewrite my resume? I'm like, if you are relying on your resume, you're screwed. You're, just, you're, just, you're, you're part of the herd and no one's going to pick you out. So it, it, it just, it really is about sort of, you know, opening up the curtains or taking the blinders off and saying, look, folks, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's going to allow you to be successful in the 21st century. No one's teaching you. So you jump in, read this, and hopefully it helps you out and send you on a different uh, path. Without a doubt. And one of the things that comes through in this book and, and even in just watching you is just authenticity, you know, being yourself, you know, putting it out there, you know, put your knowledge out there. Um, you know, you talked about your story, how you blogged, um, you know, uh, every day for, for two years, practically, yeah. before yeah. someone said, hey, you know, who is this guy? And, and yeah. now you're, you know, you, you've kind of got over that tipping point. And you're on Forbes and you do all that. So it's, it's about hard work. It's about putting yourself out there. It's about not being afraid to take a risk, you know, do a video. Um, you know, and, and just go out there and do it. So, um, and that's one big thing that keeps coming out that I keep hearing is this authenticity. Be yourself in sales. You know, yes, you have to change kind of the, the, the process, but throughout, you know, just be yourself because that, that feeling will, will take you a long way with the customer because you got to be trusted and you have it in here, trust. You know, if, if you're not trusted, it's over. That's yep. the foundation. Done. Done. Yep. So, you know, Yeah. So, so, so let's talk about, you know, you're out there with a number of companies. What are, you know, if you had to take the top two challenges today that salespeople are um, tasked with, what would you say those top one or two are? It's what it's always been. Look, driving revenue, right? And, you know, building pipeline, getting new customers. I mean, it, it uh, you know, like there's a lot of smart people out there that really come up with all this great little stuff to talk about what sales is doing, but I'm just a netted out kind of guy. Mm -hmm. And sales hasn't changed at all in that regard. Salespeople are being hired every day and I'm working with my clients every day to find the salespeople that can drive the relationships to build the pipeline, to get them to their revenue number. It hasn't changed. It's the same thing. Now we got different tools. You got sales loft, you got CRMs and you've got hoop suites and social medias and LinkedIn and Bobby got all these new tools. Right? No one drops a telephone book in anybody's desk anymore and says, get calling. But the, still, the, the fundamental principles are really simple. Identify a customer, engage with them so that they'll consider talking to you, get them into your pipeline, close the deal, move on, book the revenue. Right. That's that's it. That's not selling, but that's that's where we got to go. Right. Everything in, in between there hasn't changed to offer value. Right. Understand the problems that they're trying to have. Bring solutions to the table, et cetera. That, that hasn't changed how people do it a little. But, you know, it, that's what they're still trying to do. And a lot of people are struggling at it. They just have are they really struggling at it. Yeah, I see it, too, you know, just in a lot of the readings and and stuff that I'm doing. But, you know, I think for guys like us, we've been around and there are a lot of salespeople that have been around a long time. We were kind of taught a different way. You know, know your product, go in there, talk about your product. Yep. 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 That it, it sticks somehow. Yep. And, and now it's, it's discovery, you know, and it's um, trying to ask the right questions and you got to be a business consultant almost and asking about the industry or, you know, the problems and things like that. So I see this as, and, and many of the customers and the people I'm dealing with, they're all wrestling with how to do it. Um, 
Are there any tips that you have or do you have a, a framework or how do you help these guys go in there and be more curious? Yeah, well, look, you start, look, everybody used to start with the product. Well, good observation. I said, don't start with the product. Man, teach people how to sell without ever, ever, ever bringing the product up. The first sale you want to get them to make is to recognize and acknowledge they have a problem. Like you can't sell a damn thing until you get someone to recognize and acknowledge they have a problem. So that should be the very first sale any person's going after to recognize I, that their target customer has a problem. Then you got to get them just to admit that I will fix the problem. I want to fix the problem. And then the third thing you got to do is get them to say, I'll try to fix the problem with you. If you can't get them to do any of that, the rest of it doesn't really matter, right? So what I tell organizations to do is you have a product or service that somebody built, whether it was 200 years ago, 100 years ago, 50 years ago, or last week, you built a product to solve a set of problems. You should know what problems your product or service solves. So why don't you make a list of all of those problems and then share them with your salespeople and treat it like a freaking, uh, uh, what are those hunts? Uh, what are those hunts called where you go running out scavenger hunt, right? <laughs> and the scavenger hunt is find the problem. Start cold calling or create messages or emails. I don't care, but structure them in a way to ask somebody or to challenge somebody if they're having that particular problem. And if you can get them to say, yes, I'm having that problem, then can you get them to say, I'll talk to you about solving? That's the key piece that I tell people to do. Exactly. And it, it, it's, it's so true. And then the next part of that, and if this came up in, in my last interview, was helping them to, to really understand the, the kind of, um, you know, the cost of that problem. You know, how, how that improv the impact of that the problem. impact of the problem, yes. So it's like, okay, yes, I have a problem. I've got a lot of problems, you know. So, okay, so why should I focus on that problem? Well, okay, because here's the impact. You know, it, it's costing you today $2 million to do, the, do it the way you're doing it today. Because everything I hear today is, oh, I'm losing out to do nothing. I'm losing out to apathy. You know, yeah. Yeah. I think, and I'd love to get your take on it, you know. How do you get how do you get that, you know, that problem raised to the top that you can help solve? You know, how do we move these people out of the kind of comfort of the status quo? Because that's what I hear a lot. I'm sure you do, too. Yeah. So you have to create a gap. So I'm writing a book right now called Gap Selling. Fingers crossed it'll be out in June. Right. Fantastic. So um, gap selling is sort of what you're talking about. When you do a discovery, you're trying to understand their current state. OK, mm -hmm. you got to understand the current state. And I go much deeper than that. but We don't have the time. Once you understand the current state, which includes the problem and the impact, the current problem and the impact of the current problem and a few other things, you then have to ask them where they want to go, what would they like to achieve, or what would they like it to look like if that stuff went away. That's the future state. Mm -hmm. You have a current state and a future state, right? The space in between is the gap. That's the value, right? And so if you are able to get both the current state and the future state, Right. So the current state and the problem and the impact of where they are today. And then you're able to understand what the future state would look like in the impact of that future state. Now, that's what you're selling. So when someone says, well, I don't want to do anything anymore, like you said, well, I was like, wait a minute. You said you're doing I'm making this up. You said you're using Excel spreadsheets and you're using two systems today. And that is costing. And for that, you have to have four different people. It's taking you. 27 man hours a year to run the reports, you're losing to your competition and you think you may be losing a million dollars in sales. If we can move from new future state from the two systems to one system, right? 
we'll be able to reduce those four people doing the whatever the hours I said down to five. You won't be losing to your competition. You'll get the million dollars back and you may be able to get an additional two million or take out another competitor. I'm confused why you don't want to talk about this anymore. I'm confused why you're going to keep doing what you're doing. What a lot of salespeople do is they sell the future state void of the current state or they sell the current state void of the future state and they don't know how big the gap is. And the bigger the gap is, the greater probability somebody will buy. And here's an here's a example I use all the time in all my speaking engagements. If you have a really bad headache, really bad headache, and I say to you, hey, I got a pill, uh, one pill that'll make the headache go away. Would you pay 10 bucks for that pill? Yes. Okay, because you got a bad headache, right? And you want it to go away, right? What if you were just sitting on the couch watching TV? Would you still pay the $10? No. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe, maybe not, not, right? Yeah. What if I told you that that pill cost $100,000, would you buy it? No. Okay. Then if I asked you to ask you questions, like how long have you had the headache? Right. Um, where in your head does the pain exist on the right side? Really? Does it affect your vision? Yes. Yeah, funny you said that it does. Right. Do every once in a while you feel yourself wobbling? Yeah, it does. I keep discovering, I keep asking all these questions. Would you mind if I take a, imagine you could do this. Would you mind if I take a quick picture? No, sure. Quick picture. Hey man, that's not a headache. That's cancer. But I got a pill that'll make it go away for $100,000. Do you take the pill? Yeah, right. You do. Okay. So that's the gap, right? The current state is I have a headache and I can't get up, can't do some work. So the gap is kind of the future state is I can do some work. I can watch television without a headache, right? Small gap. See that? Mm -hmm. The minute I do enough discovery and properly assess the problem and I realize it's not a headache, it's cancer and you could die in six months. Look how big the gap is now, right? Now, that gap is huge. Think of the value of that pill has just gone up a thousandfold, which means you'll pay more for it. And the choice of staying the status quo is less. Salespeople got to learn to understand to broaden the gap. They don't know how to do it. Yeah, that is, that is so um, just spot on. And uh, so, so how do we help salespeople do that? You know, obviously they got to get out of their comfort zone. They got to do things that they haven't done before. Um, it's training, it's coaching. How do you, how do you, and, and how much, how long does it take? Like if you engage with somebody and you're trying to get uh, a, a team of salespeople to kind of going from the old pitch perspective, you know, go in and start talking demo to, to this value gap approach, how long does that take and, and how do you do it? Well, like anything, it depends on the sale, on the person. And right. one of the things that I say is, look, this takes a different type of skill set, right? right? This this right. doesn't require. Look, it helps, but this doesn't require the super gregarious person. This doesn't require the Mister Friendly. Hey, everybody, how you doing? <laughs> right? I mean, if they have that skill, sales skill, it helps. But this requires critical thinking, right? This requires a much more intelligent person. It requires what I like to say, uh, intellectual curiosity. They have to be very curious about things. They have to be excellent critical thinkers. So when someone says something like, oh, I've got a really bad headache, they don't just say, oh, you've got a headache. I can fix it. Like, I wonder why they have a headache. And they naturally know what question is. Really, how long have you had it? Oh, my gosh, really? Is it the whole head? Like, they're, they're just intellectually curious. And they keep asking. And each answer triggers them to go in a different direction, right? And then the last thing I think you need is really, really smart people. Like smart people understand that a headache isn't just a headache. It could be a migraine. It could be cancer. It could be a contusion. It could be this. Like smart people get that. With all due respect to everybody listening, the average person and dumb people don't think that way. 
They just, they, they don't process information in a way that gets them spiting out. Like a lot, too many people process in a linear fashion, headache, yes, no. And they go like this, like linear, really, really intelligent, intellectually curious people. One answer gets their whole head spiting all different places. And you want that skill set. You want them to be able to ask second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh level questions. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of, you know, thinking on your feet. Um, you know, sometimes what I hear is, you know, oh, I ask him, uh, I'm asking the question, but then I'm not even listening to the answer. And then I'm jumping into, the, the, hey, well, this is what we can do. Or I'm going into another question or I'm taking a sharp right and going off off road, off message. So, um, yeah, no, those are all great things. And I guess and you also help with recruiting. Right. So um, is it are there a lot of those people out there? Is it hard to find those people? Yes, it's very hard. You know, maybe you have to think outside of, you know, is it taking smart people or consulting types and teaching them sales skills or is it taking sellers and thinking, you know, kind of probably going both ways, I would imagine. It's taking really smart people who intuitively understand it because a lot of times they don't articulate it well, but I can tell how quickly they they into it, if that's the right word, just by the questions I ask them and how they answer them. I'm like, okay, they don't get it, but boy, I'm, I'm tracking their logic and I'm tracking their intellect. And so I can start to feel it um, and the types of questions they ask. You can say, oh, okay. And then they have to be coachable. If you get those people and they're really coachable, they'll get it. Like when you start explaining it to them, their eyes widen up. Like, oh my gosh, I know what to do. It's, oh my God, I can kill it with this, right? You, if their eyes start getting bigger as you explain it, you get the right person. If they have to start arguing with you or they just kind of looking at you like, huh? Like my yeah. golden retriever looks at me, then no, this person's not going to get it. Yeah, and I think I saw a video of yours where you were saying how important it is that someone is coachable. And if they're not, you're you're telling your people to walk into HR and say, Addy. get out, get them out. It's useless. Yep. You know? So yep. a couple of quick topics, because I know we're getting a little short, but um, you know, closing is obviously key, right? All, all the back and forth and all the glad handing and the meetings. They don't mean anything in, in, unless we close the deal and get them to sign on the dotted line. And, you know, I, I think it kind of flows through that if we're doing a good job with this gap selling, if we're asking the right questions, things are going to happen much more naturally. You know, we shouldn't be having a hard sell somebody or, you know, going into gimmicks and things like that. But, you know, you had a very interesting video the other day on putting together a closing plan that I loved. Talk about that a little bit, because, you know, it's getting the customer to agree to these steps and, uh, and really almost outlining them and then kind of putting them back to the customer. So tell us a little bit about the closing plan and how people should think about that. Yeah. So I, I need to preface this with the closing plan only comes after the customer says, yes, I'm yeah. going to buy your solution. So in other words, they decided that either that they picked you over the competition, they picked right. you over status quo, but like, all right, yes, you know what, Jim, we're going to buy we're going to buy. We're going to buy from you. But in 90% of most situations, when the customer says they're going to buy or they've decided on your product or your service you're offering. There's mm. other shit that has to get done. Contracts has to be signed and negotiated. Sometimes the, the, um, the number of licenses has to be determined. Like mm. there's all kinds of administrative stuff that has to get done. That right. sometimes can take a week. Sometimes can take several months and it drives people insane. So the closing plan is basically getting buy-in from the buyer first to tell you, everything that they need to do to get it signed on the dotted line and then getting them to participate with you in commitment. So you might say, listen, when we talked about this gym, 
You said you wanted to have this implemented by the end of the first quarter. As I share with you, it takes three months to do that. So it's really important for us to try to get this closed by the end of December. Do you think, uh, what are the steps you have to do? And what do you say we build a backwards plan to make sure that gets done? Okay, you need to get in front of so-and-so. You need to do this. You need this from us. Okay, great. I'll commit to getting this to you on Wednesday the Mm -hmm. 17th. Can you get me your piece by this? And you map, just like a plan, you map it out with dates and get them to buy in with you. And you do that not for you. This is the key. Not so you get your commission check. You only do that when they have told you that there are certain things or times or drivers on their end that they want it. And if it goes into next year, fine. If they said, no, we're okay signing this on January 17th. Okay, great. What do we, do you need to do to make sure we get this done by January 17th? And you, you make them commit and then you manage them to it. It's like, hey, Jim, hey, it's the 12th. No, you were going to get me that. Can I still expect it? Right? Now everybody's on the same page. Yeah. I don't know why I'm taking notes. We got this recorded, but it's just a natural, <laughs> I like that. natural habit. Um, yeah, you know, that's a great point, too, because, you know, when we think of closing, you know, as a salesperson, we think about it for us, right? We got to close. But, you know, you got to think about it for the customer. You know, they need this, too. So it takes a little bit of kind of the mental pressure off. But, you know, it, it, sometimes we get into this, hey, it's the end of the quarter. Uh, you know, can we pull this in? And, you know, we start pulling things more toward our side. So I think, you know, kind of what you said about remembering that this is kind of for them, um, you know, is, is really, really key. And, and it becomes very tricky to try and pull things in and, you know, get them to kind of work toward your deadline versus theirs, because you might blow up the whole damn deal and the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then you stop serving, you're not serving them anymore. You're serving you. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And then, and then the trust element starts to get a yep. little yeah. So yep. last, last topic, because I know we we, we, we got to run. Um, social selling, we hear a lot about it. Um, you know, you were just out there on LinkedIn talking about not how to do it. And it's amazing how many people still don't know how to do it that they think. Did you see some of those comments? Woo! I didn't even get to the comments. No. Wow. Um, but I just, uh, and it happens all the time and I just don't don't get it. And it really hurts it for other people who are kind of good at what they do because everyone's now in delete mode and they're all on, on the, on their heels, but give us kind of a quick, you know, synopsis of proper social selling, um, you know, that you would be teaching, you know, your sales people to kind of do what's, what's kind of the key. It's It's simple, just engagement. In my opinion, social selling is simply selling on social tools. Mm-hmm. It's not anything different. Like social selling isn't a different way to sell. It's just selling uh, via Twitter. It's selling via LinkedIn. It's selling via Instagram. And so the, the rest doesn't change. Stop spamming. Stop interrupting right. people. Stop yelling at them. Stop pitching. Engage. Like they give you personal information. They, they, they participate by um, commenting on things. You know, LinkedIn shows you the last activity. If you're someone you're really interested in, go check their last activity every day. And if they commented on something, go in and, and you know, support their comments. Hey, I agree with you there, Jim. That was great stuff. That was really cool. Um, if they posted something, go in and say, hey, I love this. Have you thought about these three things? Follow them on their on their um, on their uh, in any uh, what are those things? Groups. If they're in groups, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Groups, follow them in the groups. Like, look for opportunities to engage and connect and build a relationship and then start talking about what you do, then start doing it. But don't 
go in there, go to someone's profile, click connect, right? Then not send a personal message. Then they accept your connection. And then you drop some, Hey, you know, we have the SAS program and we'd love to talk to you about it. You got 15 minutes. So I can tell you how we can. No, 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 no. no. It's, terrible. It, it's terrible. And then the flip side of that too is, you know, your social presence, right? As a salesperson, you know, what does your profile look like? Um, do, do you look like someone that they would want to potentially engage with, right? You know, do you have a profile that tells what you do? Are you out there posting, writing, uh, you know, video, doing the crap, you know, that you do great that I'm starting to do a little bit, you know, and building that trust. So I think that's kind of the, definitely one of the keys. Well, I got to say, this has been a true honor. I, I really appreciate you coming on. I've been a fan of yours for a long time. And, uh, I think you're probably my favorite, you know, kind of LinkedIn personality when it comes to, uh, uh, to, to sales. And if anybody here doesn't know this guy, uh, you definitely need to get to know him. You definitely need to get this book called Not Taught and go check him out. It's called A Sales Guy is his blog uh, and his website. He's out there working with companies. You should definitely, you know, ping him if you need help because he's solving major, major problems. So Keenan, again, Thank you so much for coming on. Hang on for a couple of minutes because we'll end this video here. And uh, this is Dan signing off. Keenan, thanks again. We'll see you again soon. And uh, this is Dan signing off on Sales is King. Hang on, buddy.